24 hours ago, we were at uh, Local Boys or uh, McMinimins on Monroe. We were, yeah, we were at McMinimins on Monroe. We were at Local Boys in Corvallis. Uh, we had a great time. It was wonderful. So good to be back. Just to be at Reeser, to walk down Monroe Street, to have macaroni salad from Local Boys in addition oh, to God. the... Hawaiian style steak and the rice and the sauce, dude. The, the sauce. Uh, I forgot about the sauce. More than more than ten years later, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> my kid was mainlining <laughs> sauce. The sauce. He was literally just pouring it in his hand and just licking it. It Smart holds kid. up to an incredible <laughs> degree. So yeah, it was it was so great being close. It was it, it was perfect too. You know, it was one of those days where we kind of thought it was just gonna be raining all day, but then the sun came in and warmed it the hell up real quick. It was really hot at the football game for a bit. Then the sun went away and it poured kind of constantly for a while. Just the, the typical type of weather you expect in Corvallis, Oregon, AKA the Paris of the Pacific Northwest, AKA the Harvard of the Pac-12, you know, that kind, that, that kind of stuff. But it was so good to be a racer. It was so fun to, uh, you know, be at McMinimins and at Local Boys and just walking around town. And we we parked right by the Hyphy house, a house that all three of us lived in at one time or the other. It's and true. we drank White Claws and Great Notion Pounders outside of it. And uh, it was just a great, it was a, it was a really good time. We hate, we missed you, but it was a really solid day and totally worth being very, very, very tired <laughs> today to, to, to make, <laughs> make yesterday happen. I think the silver lining of me not being there is I have questions which I think could be good for, for the episode. And the first question that I have, and I, you guys sort of already answered it, is we have been building local boys up in our heads as the epitome, not of Hawaiian food, but of culinary in general. Corvallis uh, food. I would, not the way that we talk about it. Maybe you're right. Maybe we do build it up as like the best of Corvallis food. I think of local boys as one of the best meals that I've ever had, which maybe says more about me than local boys. But like, but you guys think that it stood up to what the expectations were? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, 100%. It's, it's, it stands the test of time. That shit See, that, is still so good. Fuck, that makes me sad that <laughs> I didn't go just so right there. good. It's so good. Local boys is still packing punches. Uh, thank you for tuning in to episode 15 of the belligerent beeves by the way <laughs> we are recording this <laughs> on, <laughs> on uh, september 19th 2021 it is 7 45 p.m central time 5 45 p.m pacific time uh the minnesota vikings yeah just lost in very heartbreaking fashion and i have group chats blowing up left and right about whose fault it is and shit like that and you know we missed a kick that could have won it at the very end but whatever I don't care. I'm, I do know I do care, but I'm just like, it's, it's oh. everyone's fault. I want, I want, I want, I want us to burn the whole thing down, but it's unlike Beaver football because I think Beaver football is on the right path. And I think they showed that this Saturday with a pretty convincing win. Even if you're there playing Idaho, you, it's one of those games you can't really do anything to convince anyone who's doubting you. Because if you win like a hundred and nothing, people are just going to say you should have won a hundred and nothing. Yep. Uh, but it was one of those games that they took care of business right away. By the end of the first quarter, it was over essentially. And it was a really fun game to be at. So I am choosing happiness right now, even though <laughs> I uh, my blood is boiling a little bit. 
So I, I think there's a lot more for uh, for us to be happy about this weekend than be sad about. So the 42 nothing victory against Idaho is a more uh, optimistic result than any of us predicted. And I'm happy with it. And the team looked pretty comprehensive and smooth and just went out and took care of business. So that was uh, the fun to be in the house for. I will say, Terry, the silver lining is um, combined. Your football teams did win 75 to 34. So combined, <laughs> they, they, blew, they blew it out. Yeah, there you go. The aggregate <laughs> victory here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Again, it's two teams in the same time zone too. So I, I think that should put the Vikings at one and one. Yeah, my take on this game, yes, we should have won. Obviously, we did. We took care of business quickly. But the rest of the Pac-12 this weekend did not Bad. fare as nicely as we did. So in all honesty, I don't know if it's just something across college football or if it's a Pac-12 problem, which I'm, I'm leaning towards. But we did not fall victim to that, which I'm very, very, very proud of the team for laying it on them, not letting up, and getting that first uh, home shutout since when, Terry? First home shutout since 2006 against Idaho, 38-0. Which Alexis Serna talked about. And first shutout in general since 2008 when we beat Pittsburgh 3-0 in the Sun Bowl. Which I was at. which, Which Ben was at. And when we shut down LaShawn McCoy and the Pittsburgh Panthers, which is honestly kind of cool that we shut out LaShawn McCoy. But hey, like also, I will say Oregon State doesn't typically do what they're supposed to do when they're playing opponents like Idaho or Eastern Washington or some of these smaller schools like they a lot of times they make it a lot closer than what it needs to be. So it was nice to see them not only take care of business, but like put that shit to bed at the beginning and not give Idaho a a slither of a chance that they could come back and win. It was nice. And I think we, all three of us sort of pride ourselves on being pretty pragmatic in just sort of our overall thoughts on the PAC 12 and just, this is the first year of this podcast, but our coverage of the PAC 12 in a way that we're not going to try and you know make it sound like it's better than it is. The Pac-12 gets covered by the national media. It's it's bullshit, but there have been years when the national media has been right because the conference has been shitty. I would say <laughs> from what I have seen so far, this is going to be a year where the conference is probably pretty shitty. <laughs> it doesn't look great. Oregon State this past weekend, you know, beat Idaho 42 nothing, which is honestly one of the better Pac-12 victories we've had. Colorado on the same day gets rocked by uh, my hometown, Minnesota Golden Gophers 30 to nothing in Boulder, which is wild. That is yeah, wild yeah. for that to happen. Especially when Colorado, I mean, they they fared well against a and They did. So that, yeah. That's, so maybe so that's A&M, maybe A&M sucks. And maybe this. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. This could be a parody thing across college. It, so it could be a parody thing, yeah. but also you, uh, we had a conference game this week. USC destroyed Washington state 45, 14 Cal beat Sacramento state 42 to 30 in no, not convincing fashion. Washington destroyed Arkansas state, but you know, we have these games like Utah lost to San Diego state. Stanford wasn't that impressive about Vanderbilt still got a win. Arizona, Arizona loses to Northern Arizona. Arizona State loses to BYU. <laughs> Fresno State pulls off a victory against UCLA in what was maybe the most fun college football game of the weekend, to be honest. Oregon just squeaks out 
a victory against Stony Brook, barely, yeah, barely, weak, barely, weak. almost getting shook by the brook. What the fuck, Oregon? <laughs> barely beating Stony Brook. So I don't know that this is the year that we should be, you know, demanding flowers for the Pac-12 and being like, Kirk Herbstreet, you're a piece of shit. You've broadcasted our conference poorly for years, even though he's broadcasting it poorly this year. I think he just happens to be right by coincidence. It's going to be tough, but good, good for the Beavs to take care of business bidness with uh an fcs team in research stadium and just you know beat that ass and you know score score touchdowns on each of the first four four possessions at the offense at the ball and basically making it just like you know a, a social event for the second half which is basically oh, what yeah. it was a drinking event which uh we should toast to the beeves we should one first beeves. time above 500 in six years we're a third of the way to bowl eligibility boys that's right. We are. Cheers. Chop them. Chop them. You can't spell chop them without hope. That's right. Terry, I see your label on your beer. What are you drinking? So I did think that I was going to have to drink a seltzer tonight because the only thing in my fridge currently is uh, <laughs> a variety pack of hard seltzers from Fulton Brewing Company. I've had a, a Fulton or two on the show already, but... I was watching the Vikings at the world famous Spring Street Tavern in Northeast Minneapolis, right by my place. And I just left with the tall boy of Pabst Blue Ribbon that I had been drinking when I was there. I ordered or I didn't order this. A friend of mine ordered it for me after the Vikings lost in heartbreaking fashion, as they are wont to do. And I'm, you know, two blocks away from that bar so i have a pabst blue ribbon 16 ounce uh in honor of the blue ribbon that the vikings did not earn today they are owing to but you guys are both niner fans and the niners are two and oh and the beavers are two and one and on their way to bowl eligibility and maybe really good bowl eligibility and maybe a pac-12 championship and maybe a rose bowl championship and maybe a college football playoff appearance and maybe a national championship <laughs> victory if we hate Ben's right. face so. is straight, totally straight face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ben, ben, Ben's just like, yeah, like why, why? I don't get the joke that's coming here. So this blue ribbon is for you guys and it's for Oregon State. Hey, and I could I could tie it back to Oregon State. This might be before your time, Terry, but there was once a legendary Pabst house on the corner of uh, Kings and uh, was it uh, Van Buren? One of them. Yeah, it was and, Van Buren. Uh, yeah. And at that house, uh, when I was just a lowly freshman walking by one night, I had heard rumors that they were sponsored by Pabst. They had a big bonfire outside. They had people falling out the windows. It was so packed. And I walked up to the house and I said, hey, are you guys sponsored by PBR? And they were like, no, we just love it so much that we buy it all the time and they send us free stuff. And I was like, that's actually really cool. Like, can we hang out? So from that point forward, we had a lot of parties at that Pabst house. Paul, Joel, wherever you guys are at, they were the uh, the tenants of the house. Super chill dudes. No idea what they're up to now. If they're if they are listening or if a listener knows them, please put me in contact. I, I had so many questions about that house. From one, uh, they said they didn't pay rent because the landlord like didn't exist. They would just like pass on the house through friends. Two, the police never stopped there, and people were like Ever. blatantly drinking right in the corner of the busiest intersection in town yeah um and one time they were like hey jp we're gonna get a bunch of beer bring people over to have a party and i was like done i didn't realize how much beer they were buying they went and bought out like three gas stations worth of pbr enough to build a couch out of pbr cases 
and a door. <laughs> so <laughs> they had PBRs under their pillows in their bed. It was nuts. So shout out to the Paps house. And yes, that is one of the most legendary spots in Corvallis that uh, will live on in my mind in infamy. Do you remember how dirty that living room floor was? Oh, a sludge. It was just it was, sludge. I think it was a wooden floor, but it was like black. <laughs> yeah. And when it got, when beers inevitably would spill on it and it just turned into like this soupy, muddy mess that was just, uh, it was so smelly and gross, but so, so Oregon State. And there were a few, a few people we knew who slipped and fell in that sludge and were just covered in brown sludge that was a that night was like unexplainable ruiner. that <laughs> yeah, was a night exactly. ruiner yeah <laughs> also side note we will be setting up a gofundme for terry to get other stuff other than just seltzer to be in his fridge like food <laughs> wow wow says the guy who's drank nothing but black beef porter for the hey. last three months <laughs> you uh, haven't seen my fridge dog you you don't know what's in there but you just said that the only thing you had in there was seltzer. <laughs> For, from a drinking standpoint. And I figured. I think there, there's some pita bread and some hummus, but there's not much else. So you, <laughs> you yeah, go, nice. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nice. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am drinking uh, Kieran Ichiban, which is oh. a 100% malt from Japan. And nice. it is delicious. <laughs> I know nothing about it. Uh, it is my girlfriend's favorite beer. Uh, so she, I asked her to surprise <laughs> me and get get me a beer uh, when she was out shopping today, and she got me her favorite. So it's actually when really do we good. Get, when do we get to see Benny's favorite beer? Because right now it's right. just been everyone else's mom's favorite, favorite beer, beer, your girlfriend's <laughs> favorite beer. <laughs> I have to think about that. I think okay. my um. Do you know what I think my favorite beer is? And this is uh, not a cop out. This is going to be bad. Full loco. No, I think it's uh, Fat Tire. You guys remember Fat Tire? (laughs) I I love Fat Tire. Fat Tire is your favorite beer? Dude, it was so good. I loved it. Sure, but that's like. I know Terry's going to be like, I remember when I had my first beer. I get it. Say your jokes. But it was good. I liked it. It had a little bit of a chocolatey taste. It did have a chocolatey taste, kind of like a, a tootsie, a tootsie roll pop. Yeah, that tire is like a. That's like you're the first craft beer you ever had when you didn't know what craft beer was. Yeah, that's what a fat tire is. You always love your first more the most. Okay, sure. Yeah, uh, is there so? Uh, will you say the name of your beer again? Sorry, we were roasting each other, <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, it's called Kieran Ichiban. Kieran Ichiban. All right. Most, most of that label looks like it's written in Japanese. Is there many, are there many details in English on that, uh, on that label that you can share with us? Uh, yeah, it is first press 100% malt. Uh, it, it says, uh, Kieran Ichiban uses only the most flavorful portion of the finest ingredients, which okay. apparently is 100% malt. Does it say where, in, <laughs> does it say where in Japan that beer is made? Uh, let me see here. Um, I, you know what? It, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Um, oh. but I'm going to Google it. But while Ben is doing that, JP looking good in the basement that I spent two nights in just now, 
rocking a very fresh brand new belligerent beads logo tee and a less fresh gold chain that uh hey. you know looks as good as it it looks as good as it can on a white dad but <laughs> how are you <laughs> and uh what uh what beer are you sipping on this evening so my beer is another microphone beer right we referenced them in an earlier episode anything that kind of sounds like a microphone or podcast is pretty cool if you recall they're from elk grove village illinois and it is called oh it's ipa uh, a double ipa so I'm, I'm almost back on that that uh chaos but uh it's called side bends or sit-ups because baby we're back the beeves are back. Want to elaborate on that at all? Or what side bends or sit ups? Are you guys kidding me? I, Sir Mix a lot. Maybe got do back. side bends or sit ups. Yeah, because we are back. Yeah, because nice. baby, like we're it. back. There you go. Okay. Thank you. We are back. Yeah, nice. It's back. Not nine win season. Is that going to be stick with your prediction? I'm guessing. Uh, I think I was eight and four, but yeah, I'm sticking with it. You're eight and four, but then you predicted to win the bowl game. So you're nine and four, and I'm eight and yes. five, and we had just. Yeah. We is still sitting at 14 and one or 15 and 0, but has that 14 and one kicker. Hey, at least we got the one the, out of the way. Yeah, with how the Pac 12 is fared, it's uh, Dude, it's, it's bad. It's 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 bad. Like, it's bad, but it's good, but it's bad. You know, I, I think, think I, I now think, think every game is a winnable game, but it's bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because no one, you know, it's one of those things you don't want to worry about it because there's nothing that you can do to make the media that just will love the sec no matter what to like actually respect the pac 12. And they, they said, I, I pointed this out last at the beginning of last year when the pac 12 started late and Herb street said some shit on college game day about how, if the pac 12 wants a college football playoff team, it needs to be Oregon and Oregon needs to dominate and prove that it's worlds above the Pac-12. But also, if you don't watch the Pac-12 play other teams, how do you know that those wins are valuable or anything? You know, so he wanted to see Oregon beat every Pac-12 team like 60 to zero. And they did not because they weren't that good. Uh, but also, even the year before that, we didn't have in 2019, we didn't have a flagship team, but we were better than the Big Ten. I watched a lot of Big Ten football that year. And we just didn't have oh in Ohio State that the Big Ten had one really 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 fucking good team, but we were beating each other up, and it just happens like that sometimes. So I don't think that this is one of those years. I think this is a down year for the Pac-12, but it kind of sucks just because no one's gonna look at it like oh the conference is just good is just balanced and beating each other up. It's just no one's good. So all of them are losing at different times and it's just unfortunate, but it's the world that we live in and it's the world we've lived in for a really long time. So we shouldn't spend a lot of time complaining about it, but yeah, get, get right. When we beat Oregon in late November and they start spitting that shit about how that's a bad thing for the PAC 12, just we, we warned you Beaver fam. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's going to be, the narrative out of Bristol, Connecticut, <laughs> that it's a bad thing. The Beavers beat the Ducks. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, November. the, the, the Ducks, the Ducks, number one, it was, uh, it was unbelievable that the Ducks moved up from 13 to number four 
uh, in in the span of a week. I, I get they beat Ohio State, but right. I don't think that win over Ohio State's going to look as good as what it did last week. Right. Ohio, well, State, Ohio, State, Ohio State didn't look that great against Tulsa, they, they and they struggled. didn't look that great against Minnesota. No, uh, so they didn't. I, I, yeah. I, I, I get, based on the system, I get why they moved up from 13 to 4, but sure, we'll see. It was dramatic. I think that this is good for the for it's it's not good for the Pac-12. It is good no, for Oregon State though because the Pac-12 is still a Power Five conference. This is you know no one was really watching football last year. Last year didn't really exist because of COVID, and so a lot of people are amped up this year. And for Oregon State, has a very good chance to win a lot of games in a power five conference in a year that people are really excited about. And I think that bodes really well for recruiting for, for I, I agree. I agree. I know we've had one toast already, but since we've all introduced our beers now, I think that we should toast again to our quarterback, Chance Nolan, who is now yes. 2-0 as a starter. Cheers. Cheers. All, all three of our beers touching each other's Zoom screens gingerly. Cheers, you guys. Go beeves. Chop them. Can't spell chop them without hope. Go chance. The biggest winner of Oregon State's 42 nothing victory was your four-year-old son, Everett. Yes. Who not only, not only got to meet Chance Nolan, but got to present Chance Nolan with a little bit of a party favor and received something in return. So tell us a little bit more about that, JP. Yeah, exactly. So as the game was coming to an end, the student section was filing out and I started taking the kid over because previously you used to be able to take the kids out in the field after the game, throw a football around, run around. I didn't know if they're allowed anymore because of COVID. So I started walking over thinking, oh, maybe they will. We'll just stand here and ask somebody because this is normally the area they let you on in the field. Well, I asked a guy, he's like, no, we don't do that anymore, unfortunately, at least for not for a while. So we stood around and we're like, oh, sorry, man. Like, I guess we're not going to be able to go on the field. And my kid looked a little bit bummed out. Then we looked to our right and there's Chance Nolan being interviewed post game. He's got the headset on. He's talking. The camera is rolling, rolling. And my kid, he's like, dad, I want to say hi to him. I was like, all right, well, let's wait till he's done with the interview. See what happens. So we scoot a little bit closer. People started filing out after like being in the background on the on the camera. Then we, uh, we are almost like in the camera frame. But I'm just trying to keep my kid out so he doesn't do anything embarrassing. And at the end, Chance takes the headset off, and I'm like, "Okay, call him out, call his name." And he's like, "Chance, Chance." So he turns around. He said, "He, you know, he says what's up, high five some some of the other students." And he looks, and he's like, "Oh, what's up, buddy?" And uh, Ev puts out his fist, and he's like, "Yeah, give me give me one of those." So he dabs it up with with Chance. And then he's like, I got here, I have this. So he hands him a belligerent beeves sticker and uh, Chance looks at it. He's like, oh, awesome, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And then right as this is happening, this other guy, I think he was an EQ guy. He says, hey, buddy. And I thought it, he was talking to somebody else. And I'm trying to like hold my kid so he can like lean over the the uh, the wall there to like say hi to Nolan. And I finally turn around. He's like, here, he's like already standing there. He's handing Ev game used wide receiver gloves. So they're monstrous on my four-year-old's little tiny hands, but uh, he held on to those things. Like they were gold and did not let them out of his sight for like the rest of the day. And still is still talking about them today. So really cool way to end the game chance. Thanks a lot for saying what's up. That was really cool. You didn't have to stick around and do that. So if you're listening, I know you follow the Twitter account. If you're listening, thank you. So, so they were, they were not champ Fleming's gloves. I take it. Those, they were way, they were way too big to be champ Fleming's gloves. Hey, you don't know. Have you seen, have you seen his hands? He had, he had By the way, catch. They were not champ. That's that catch, that catch. So that ball from Nolan to uh, Fleming's, that was his only catch. Right. And that was yeah. like what in the third quarter was mm-hmm. just beautiful, beautiful football. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
the the throw was amazing. The catch was nice and in stride. It was like, a, I mean, of course, it's Idaho. Like, I don't know how much you can really take from it. Like, right. you look at the box score. If you were just reading the box score, you'd wonder, like, you'd think it, our depth was insane. But uh, but also, like, the game was out of reach with right. within the first, like, 15 minutes. So, of course, we were spreading the wealth. Um, but we... We had some some good plays and some good some good lines, even though it was like in uh, minimal snaps. Um, and that that ball to so Fleming's definitely stands out as like one of those plays. Where you're like, man, if we could do that two or three or four times in a game, right. that connection will be like tough to stop. Right. For sure, it was pretty impressive. Um, and definitely, thank you, Chance, for for hanging with our little guy Everett for a minute. Uh, and thank you to the equipment guy. We don't know your name, but for getting gloves to uh, my my squad son <laughs> and JP's biological son. Uh, that definitely <laughs> made his day. And maybe he'll grow into those, you know, size thirteen gloves at some point. I think we should start out with some shout non football shoutouts before we get really into the nitty gritty of the Oregon State Idaho game, and then I think we'll transition pretty smoothly into the preview against playing uh, USC at the Coliseum uh, this next, this coming Saturday. Uh, I think we, we have to, for sure, I believe I'm spelling her or pronouncing her last name uh, correctly, but we need to talk about Ellie Slama because JP, as you've mentioned multiple times, we are a golf podcast. We are, we are, we are a podcast. We are a Oregon state podcast. We are a beer podcast. We are a friendship podcast. We are an Andre Nicotina podcast. We are a, <laughs> we, we drink at least one 11 year old Bud Light that's been sitting in a golf bag podcast. Uh, <laughs> Ellie was made the cut at the LPGA Portland classic after shooting a second round three under 69 Friday at the Oregon golf club, just one of eight players to break 70 on Friday and the only amateur to make that a uh, 36 hole cut. That is Fucking fantastic. This has been reported by uh, Nick Dashel from the Oregonian on Twitter. That's whose tweets I am reading right now. Uh, but JP, you sent this to us as well. Uh, this is dope. So hell yeah, Ellie, that's uh, that's fantastic. And just another big, uh, big achievement for the Oregon State women's golf program that seems to have been uh, crushing it. Uh, these, these last few years. And uh, even, even well before we had our infamous episode where we told the NCAA to go fuck themselves for (laughs) for fucking over our favorite women's golf team. But uh, this makes me want to get another Bud Light and put it in my golf bag for 11 years, JP. Store, store it away for a while. Yeah. I mean, Ellie, awesome, awesome stuff. Like way to represent um, a a little bit of a redemption story for the women's golf team as well, which is really cool to just kind of, stay on the map, even with that setback from last, last season and the last season. Um, and you know, it's kind of pro- projected that she was doing well enough to probably make the cut. But if you look at the odds of the fact that she was the lone amateur to make the cut, that she had like that Epic Friday round, one of eight players to break 70 in the entire tournament to like, to be able to secure that spot. was, uh, was really cool. So we're behind you. We, the, the babies are riding with you. And what what day of the week was that that she broke seventy? Was that like Friday? Friday, yeah, Friday. yeah. So it was it was pretty nasty weather down there yeah. on Friday too, right? So yeah. nasty weather, and she still yeah. broke seventy. That's pretty yeah. incredible. Awesome, awesome job, Ellie. Yeah. And speaking of golf in Corvallis, we drove by Tristan Tree on oh, our way to the yes. game yesterday. Uh, JP used to beat my ass at Tristan Tree when we were when we were roommates. <laughs> uh, 
I think uh, JP, I believe your move was to buy a couple of couple jalapeno cream cheese taquitos at Sevy's and then hit the hit the links at Tristan Tree beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was partial to the course at Marysville. Tr- Tristan Tree was easily a nicer course, but Marysville kind of felt like the more hole in the wall Corvallis course where you could just have a bunch of beers in your bag and uh and chill and and have a good time. But definitely a fun a fun uh college town to golf in and uh Ellie good shit congrats cheers to you from the babes for uh being being the top amateur in that tournament and uh, you know best of luck going forward again a very hearty fuck you to the ncaa for the shit they pulled last spring we love oregon state women's golf and uh we will continue to uh promote that on this podcast as well as promoting uh our anti-ncaa stance for that and everything the ncaa stands for since so fuck you ncaa and hell yeah ellie for continuing to being a boss uh yeah. we'll, we want to play around with you sometime soon maybe at top golf that's kind of more our speed <laughs> but yeah Congrat- <laughs> congratulations ellie Good shit. Uh, and then just we have to because we do this all the time now and it's just it's not even getting old, but it's getting fun. We have to talk about the Oregon State women's soccer team. Yeah, I, we, we weren't able to get down there on Friday night uh, beforehand. My flight landed like as that game was starting on Friday. And, you know, just getting from Portland to Corvallis, you know, is a pain. Finding places to stay in Corvallis is a pain. But Oregon State women's soccer beat the North Dakota fighting Hawks by a score of three to two on Friday evening at Paul Lorenz field in front of a rowdy crowd. And now the Oregon state women's soccer team, our favorite Beaver team at the moment is sitting at eight and O Lawrence and squad right there in the, in the, in the driver's seat in the national uh, national women's soccer picture undefeated this shit's awesome like i think we started talking about this when they were one and oh two and oh just being like hey let's see how far they go but yeah they they keep balling like if you're in corvallis or close to corvallis you you have to go watch this team yeah you have to go watch this team absolutely go go support them they're, the way they, they're they're aggressive, their tempo is really good. Um, I, I put it in the notes here, just beef up, secretly mean double up because yeah. we've already doubled the win total from last season. There's 11 awesome. games remaining. Essentially, so we would cool. if we lost from this point onward, which I do not anticipate whatsoever, we would have the same amount of losses as last year. So essentially, like this is just like a an incredible start with with the incredible finish in tow. Um, but not just double up on wins. This team went from like 1.2 goals per game last year. Now this year they're sitting at 2.6 goals per game. Also uh, same goes for the goals per game against it's dropped down to now 0.75 goals against per game from 1.75. So they're cutting that in half. They're doubling up on some of their like major statistics, including wins, which is the most important one. And honestly, like we're, uh, you just got to say a shout out to coach Sinicola. Like how, where else do you would draw this kind of inspiration from? She just kind of came in and she's, she even said it like the team's bought in. They've, they're all, um, there's nobody like kind of dragging their feet on some of the new philosophies and buying into the new systems. And it's showing because they're out there just embarrassing people. This was the first game they gave up more than one goal. 
right. this season. <laughs> they're they're awesome in the second half too. Like if you sort of look at the Twitter account, the, the women's soccer Twitter account, it's often you know zero zero one zero at halftime, and then the second half they're just you know working people and clo- closing games, getting getting big goals. You know in the second half. It's so cool that, that, that we, like, we just sort of decided to start following it and that they've just been balling. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to keep trying to get a coach to Nicola on the pod. Uh, we're going to keep following the women's soccer team, especially, you know, A&L, you know, wins is what drives everything in, in college athletics and seeing, seeing them sitting, sitting here undefeated. Uh, hopefully they start getting some flowers from, the national media that covers, you know, women's uh, collegiate soccer soon, because uh, what, what more do you want from a team? They've played eight games, eight games, non-conference, and they've won every single one of them. They are, they are balling um, just, you know, quick shout out. It's still uh, McKenna Martinez and Amber Jackson, who are leading the teams, uh, the team in a uh, goal scored and uh, total points and uh, Bridget Skiba in goal. And uh, just for you listeners who are in the Corvallis area who want to get out and uh, support the team, they are on the road for a while after this past win against North Dakota, but will be home on Sunday, October 7th, against the Arizona State Sun Devils at 6 p.m. Pacific time at Paul Lorenz Field. Get out to that game. Come on. You know, what are you also doing on Sunday other than watching uh, Kirk Cousins get sacked, you know, on, uh, <laughs> at, at, at Claude's, you know, you're probably maybe watching some of your fancy football teams, whatever, but get out. And then um, that, that's a Thursday night, actually. So I, I looked at the other one. So that October 7th is a Thursday night against Arizona State better than Thursday night football. And then that Sunday also against Arizona, the Wildcats at home at 1 PM Pacific time. So get your asses out to Paul Lorenz field and uh, support uh, coach Senecola's team. Uh, worst case would be eight and three at that point, but I have a, I have a feeling there'll be 11 and zero. And uh, so we'll see uh, now with a conference play starting, but uh, good for coach uh, Sinicola and good for uh, coach or for Oregon state women's soccer. This is uh this is fun. And we, we might, we might have a national national championship contender on our hands here guys. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Give them a, give them a follow on social media too, right? Like co- yeah. at coach Sinicola at mm-hmm. Beaver W soccer, um, show some support. If you can't make it to the game, just, I mean, start drumming up interest there too. I mean, spread the, spread the word, retweet this, their victories. I mean, they've, their, their social media is actually very, very good. Um, they and are coach good. Nicola yeah. is also, also very active too. So hit them up, follow them. For sure. It's worth it. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Friendster, <laughs> AOL, whatever you're on <laughs> Google plus <laughs> e-bombs world. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before we start talking about the football team, let's, I want to talk a bit about being at the game. Sorry, Benny. I know you, you couldn't make it down there, but there's a couple things that, uh, are worth talking about that happened at the game, but yeah, also, I want to hear about them. Also, Terry, that was your first experience in the terrace. Was it not? No, I was at the terrace for the Minnesota game. In oh, that's right. Okay. So I had been, been there before, but that is a, it is a great place to watch, watch the game, especially, you know, it's, not it's not the rowdiest section in the world but you know if you're getting tickets to the terrace you're probably 
you know, not looking for the rowdiest section in the world, but I, I, I love watching games from an end zone angle just because you can sort of see plays develop a bit there. You do lack a sort of, kind of that angle. Madden view. Yeah. It's, it's sort of the Madden view and you, you do yeah. lack an angle on certain things. It can be really hard to see if guys got like the line to gain in certain uh, instances. Uh, but if you pay attention to sort of the chain gang and other stuff, you know, you can figure all that stuff out. And you, I, I just, I just like that angle, whether you're in the terrace and you're very close, or even if you're at an NFL game and you're like kind of high up, you can just sort of see plays develop. Like you can sort of like see running backs hitting holes and stuff. There is one play early in the, in the first quarter. I think it was uh, Trey Lowe's biggest gain of, of, of his day. And I think we're going to talk about sort of the running back by committee committee, uh, well, as we get more into our game analysis, but it was so cool to sort of see just the line shift and a hole open and Trey low hit it perfectly and then just run towards us. Like it's, it's so fun. So if, if you're a recent alum or just a Oregon state fan in general, and you're just looking for places to, to watch the game, thinking about sections of research that you'd like to see. I, I highly recommend the terrace. It was 30 bucks for us to get in for the Idaho game. I know that probably will go up for conference games, but probably not much more than that. Uh, maybe a little bit, but it's also, you know, where you can buy beer pretty easily. There's a concession stand there as well. Uh, it's, it was just a cool, cool spot to watch the game. And there is also, you know, those areas. I We didn't even go to our seats at all. Cause there's this, you know, uh, standing tables, behind every section of seats. And we just found a couple of them. We had a group of about, you know, eight to 10 people who we knew who were there and it was just perfect. We, we got a couple that were just empty when we showed up and it was just, we were right behind the goalpost. It was so fun. It was such a great place to watch the game. So, so better, uh, beer operation in terms of getting a beer than at Purdue stadium. <laughs> oh, but in general, even, even throughout the rest of research, because it's like the whole area is exclusive in the way that like, if you don't have a ticket in the terrace, you can't go in the terrace. Oh, nice. You can, so the lines are always short. Where, but even I got, it's like, I went into gate D if you get a terrace ticket, you enter through gate D or gate E and I was, I went to a concession stand that wasn't exclusive to the terrace. It was like the first yeah. one after that gate. And it was quick. Not that there was a huge crowd and we were playing Idaho. And I know Purdue is, you know, we were, we were sort of Purdue's, you know, money, non-conference home opponent. Uh, shout out to Travis Miller again. I really wanted Purdue to beat Notre Dame, especially after Notre Dame decided not to let Purdue's big drum in the stadium because of like some like tunnel shit, whatever. Classic Notre yeah. Dame bullshit. Uh, but they they kept it close, which might be a good sign for us. Purdue kept it close against Notre Dame, who's ranked like number twelve right now. But that's I digress. Uh, there was I was very able to get a beer very quickly. Not that that's the most important thing, but you know, I think the lines were mm. were very, very, uh, very efficiently moved throughout the stadium and throughout the day, and I was very impressed with just the overall operations of research. And it, it was the first time I'd been there in four years, so that was you know a a, a pleasant surprise. Conversely, though, how did you feel about the resurgence um, and Beaver Nation in attendance? <laughs> are trying to bait me into talking shit so hard. I'm not. I just want to know. 
I mean, like my my perspective was like, where was everybody? I know it was it, it did rain, but it was it a rain. day game. It was in September. Yeah, it, it was a day game in September during move-in weekend, and there were not a lot of people there. I think by the end of like the second quarter, the student section filled out pretty well. The student section was good. They were actually very into sure. it. I mean, the first down yeah. chant, they were all doing it. So like shout out it for t- it not them, even being in session yet. But it, it took them a while still to get session. there. So we're missing session. Yeah. 25% of students because most of these freshmen aren't moving into like today. It was like really right. moving day. This was moving and, weekend, but like today was moving day. And right. the team's been bad for a while. And if you're a student, it's like, yeah, you don't have to go to the game. You can have fun just around the game. Yeah, exactly. So and don't take the, that advice if you're a student listening to this. Go to the no, game. Go to the game. Go to the game. But also, <laughs> not, Beaver I'm Nation, go what to the game. To. I'm just, yeah, exactly. Go yeah. to the game. Go to every fucking game. Go to the, you know, go to Lorenz Field. Go to the volleyball games. Go to the football games. Don't do anything other than go to games. <laughs> it was pretty when, when the game kicked off and I, I took a picture and i was like it was very nice of oregon state to reserve research stadium just for me i <laughs> come all the way from minneapolis for this game i feel like i just got my own private viewing of an oregon state versus idaho game um but hold on maybe we're I, jaded to this all because we're not in corvallis we're not even that i mean portland's still close but it's really not like you're right outside you're not in albany you're not in salem like, like it's still a drive to go to these games and sometimes it's hard to make right. it to them it's, or it's not hard to make it to them but it's hard to make it home from them but we don't go onto campus all the time but there's something about being back on campus I walking through i cried a lot dude like right like it is like an entire vibe it is such a good feeling get there I, just to go do that and then while you're there go to lorenz field go to reeser right. go to gill like just Go show up. I mean, I mean, I, I know I'm not saying like it's easy because I will be the first to say I have a tough time getting down there and I'm in Portland, but like it's so worth it to do it. Even if you go one time every year, just right. go, I, just do it. Like the, all these teams need our support. Like they deserve our support and it's just fun. Right. I cried more than once. I honestly did. Like just being or not, not in a super dramatic way whatever but there was sort of like we that were would be we, funny we first like i wasn't like <laughs> screaming like howling crying whatever but we uh we we're walking I, it's it's me it's me jp jp's wife annie and his beautiful children everett and penelope and we're sort of on like the outskirts of, we're we're getting we're on the outskirts of campus and we're getting through campus but it's you know that sort of like parts where it's like you know just sort of walkways and parking lots for a little bit and uh, a very, a very nice, very nice, a very stylish old woman asked if she wanted us to take a picture. Like she was like, "Can I take a picture of the whole family?" And she yeah. was like, "Sure," and grabbed both me and Annie. So I was like, "Is there a weird three-way parenting situation?" <laughs> <laughs> so she took, and I, I, if we haven't put this on the Babay's Instagram or Twitter yet, we will. It's, it's been on a story at least, uh, one of our personals for sure. But we'll put it on the the babes ones you guys can all see it but yeah so she asked to take our picture then we got to just like we we went by the library first which was great it's a beautiful library i love the valley library so much and then we turned and got to the mu quad and just walking through it like i i i stopped and was just speechless for a second yeah yeah because it's 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 not just that the place is beautiful and it's not just that we had a great time there a long time ago, like with each other. It's just, it's a part of your life that you can't 
ever get back, but will always be a part of you. Yeah. And then you guys were like, <laughs> not, not to ruin the emotional significance of this, but you guys were like, we need to check the stroller. And I was like, I need to take a shit. So I'll, I'll just meet you guys at the scene. But then like, so like we all kind of like walked, like I, I walked a little bit by myself after that. Like I just like walked around the MU and saw that, you know, like the Panda Express is still there, but the barbershop's oh. not there. And yeah. You know, walk, I, I, I that yeah. the the Native American longhouse is a way nicer looking building now, and that yep. uh, you know the the trees around Weatherford are different, and they're huge. Uh, they're, they're huge, huge. and that that's that Dixon, makes me feel old. Dixon yeah. still looks cool, and those like intermural fields are. And did you see the Fosbury statue outside and of Dixon? The, the, and the Fosbury statue outside of Dixon, and all this other stuff. So like, there is this and. The, the, the beaver store by that uh, parking yeah. ramp, which I had been to before when I went to the Minnesota game in 2017, it was there and it was open, but there is, there is so much of that campus that just wasn't even tapped into when we were students yeah. and to see it tapped into now, it's just different. And, you know, the student center right by the MU is something it was locked. We tried to go in after the game, it was locked. And it's just one of those things that, you know, even though I don't think that, it was necessarily the like the absolute high. It's not like it's been all downhill from here. It's not, you know, some, uh, you know, like a Friday night light situation where just everything ends after graduation type shit. But like you can't get that feeling back. No, but the closest you can get is by going to campus exactly. and like enjoying these games. And it, yeah. And it, and it's so fun. And it's just a place in a community that will always be a part of you. It, this was the most whimsical I've felt in a long time. And just like seeing like the beaver plated door handles on the MU and like pushing them was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Like I honestly, or the rickety like, elevator up to, uh, Exactly. I was like, I'm about oh. to, I'm about to skip math 111 right now. Like, <laughs> it just felt so good. It felt so homey, and yeah. So it was just so good to be back. I and no, I'm not trying to throw a pun at this at all, but like that truly does make me want to go. I, I, and I'm saying it right now. I'm going to go to the UW game. That's the next home game after yeah. USC. I'm going to go to that game. Oh yeah. Uh, because I will say, like, I and I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. I think that. Uh, OSU's marketing campaign to say that we are the best college town in the Pac-12 is so stupid and it doesn't get anyone excited, but it is true. It is. It's true. It's It's factual, but it's, it's, yeah. It's it's weird that they decided it when it's understood globally that we're the Paris of the Pacific Northwest and the Harvard (laughs) of the Pac-12. I don't know why they would settle for that because I've been to Paris and people are like, oh, you've been to Corvallis? Like, yeah, you'll fit in greatly. Like, people actually said that to me. Well, it's, it's, it's tough to recruit to Corvallis because it's not LA and it's not Phoenix and it's not Seattle and it's not, you know, Denver, but like, but there is not 11 other places in the pac 12 <laughs> but every other place for the it's uh, not for the most part. sacks filled with cash just dropped off on your doorstep without any <laughs> but there is a a give and take on that and i think that like that there's something to be said about being a legitimate true college town and um and there's something that's special about that and uh, and, and I think it's easy to forget that, um, the older you get. And, and I was telling JP before you hopped on Terry that like, I, I haven't been to an Oregon state home game since I was a student, which is crazy. Shit. Yeah. I know. And Shit. so 
dude. And, and and it is easy to forget. And when you were talking about that, it like it yeah. made me sort of light up a little bit. So yeah, yeah. I want to go I to know, the I I think I cry easier than most people, but I'm not like putting this on or anything or trying to you know, be dramatic. Like I cried multiple times on Saturday just by being there. So yeah, if you're that type of person, or if you just miss Corvallis a little bit, get to a game. And uh, I, speaking of the game, I think we should actually talk about the fucking game a little bit. Cause we've been, we've been chatting for a long time now. Can we shout you, out to listeners first? Well, yeah, that was going into my uh, talks right, about the game, but I think we should, I, we absolutely should, especially uh, listener Joe Hedberg, who's been a supporter of the show since the very beginning, uh, National Army Guard veteran who was honored on the field uh, at at the game on Saturday. Joe has been a big supporter of the show uh, since since our first episode, really. Yeah. Of found found the show and followed it on Twitter. Has been super interactive on uh, the Twitter handles. And letting us know that uh, he uh, he listens to the show on JP. What's Joe's commute again? You know this better than I do. He, but. I mean, he crosses the the southern Oregon border every day. Um, right. And, and we, we we accompany him as best as we can. So <laughs> exactly. it was great. It was great to meet Joe, and we appreciate his support. But it was way cooler to see him honored and celebrated on the field. That was right. that was really cool. And you threw him a koozie from from the, I did throw him a koozie from the terrace. From the terrace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And he caught it on the fly. That was actually the most impressive part of the whole thing. It was fluttering like a a dead bird. And he caught it with one hand out of the sky. And I did not expect that to happen at all. I thought I was going to get kicked out for throwing something on the field. And Joe, you might have saved me actually (laughs) with that one handed grab. By by showing it was a gift. Yeah. So wait, I, I, I wasn't there. Explain sort of how he was honored and sort of what that looked like. Yeah, so they do like a veteran. They honor a veteran on the field, right? And he had, we had seen what on Twitter. Somebody saw on Twitter that uh, he had mentioned, "Hey, my wife had got me uh, or signed me up to be the uh, featured veteran of the game and to right. be honored on the field." And we were like, "Oh wow, we're gonna be at the game. That's super cool. We're definitely gonna like be cheering loud for you from the stands." So they brought him out on the field. I don't know what was it like towards the end of the first quarter, I think, or maybe it was the second quarter, early yeah, in the second. And they, they, you know, brought him out in the field and they talked about how he was deployed and while he was deployed, he would like stay up late and watch Oregon state games or wake up early, whatever. <laughs> and like, yeah, he like the stuff he does now for like the, uh, the VA and you know, the hard work he, he still contributes to veterans and, um, the fact that he's still like a diehard Beaver fan. Um, it, I mean, if you heard all the superlatives, you'd be like, this guy is awesome. And you know, seeing him on the field, like again, like the crowd gave him like a, a great cheer and he was waving and standing there for what felt like a long time. I'm sure even longer or felt even longer for him, but uh, I hope he, I hope he felt like all the love from Beaver nation because it was, they were definitely showering him with applause. That's awesome. For sure. Yeah. And well, I, I feel honored to have him as a listener for sure. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and what one koozie thrown by JP towards the way isn't, isn't nearly enough, Joe, you know, we, we, we don't deserve your support, but we're happy we have it. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening to the pod and uh, thank you, especially more for, uh, for your service to our country. Uh, it was, it was great to see you at the game and that you got a nice, nice ovation from a uh, beaver nation on a very victorious afternoon. So Great to meet you, Joe. And yes, uh, cheers to Joe. Here, yeah. Cheers to Joe. Cheers. Thank you so much.
Salud, Slancha, all that good stuff. That wasn't the only, that was not the only listener. Is there the only listener in attendance? Uh, we met Wayne Bretsky, AKA Brett, who uh, I think we're late on getting a sticker out to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was, it wasn't shy about letting us know that. And I met in the line at the terrace for, I was waiting for a hot dog. And he, he, <laughs> Like, this is where I'm like, I'm not sure if we should wear, you know, cause like there is that sort of stigma of like, you don't wear the, the band's shirt when you go to see their concert. And I'm like, do we wear our own shit if we're not going to our own concert, but to a thing that's, you know, clearly adjacent to it. Um, but he saw my belligerent beef shirt. And he was like, Hey, I'm so waiting for my sticker. And I said, I don't have a sticker, but I have a koozie in my pocket. Here's a koozie. <laughs> and uh, then I went, I went back to where we had our stuff and I got more stickers and koozies and uh, Brett was with his parents. He was so lovely. His parents were dope too. Um, we got each uh, a koozie and a sticker each for all three of them. And then at one point, uh, his mom was like, Brett, do you want a picture? And he was like, yeah. And he posed yeah, for a great. picture with JP and I. Yeah. And I'm like, why is someone asking to take a picture with us? I love it. That's awesome. But man. also, it's awesome. Dude, and you know what? Like, Brett, thank you for thank you for that. Like, but also like the kind words too, the words of encouragement, man. Like, right. He was literally like, please keep going. I love the pod. Keep the pod I love going. tuning in every week. And right. like, it just, again, it, it's so we talk about like, we talk about like ratings and reviews and all that stuff on Apple podcasts, but it's this stuff that really is fun. Yeah. It's like meeting new people that are also like diehard Beaver fans and being able to say like, you know, maybe we don't know you directly. Maybe you're listening to us and you feel like you know us pretty well now, but like, we love to meet you because we're all a right. big Beaver fam. And it, it's just like so cool to hear somebody that we never met before, never knew before. And now Brett, you're a friend of the Bebe's. You're a Bebe <laughs> Hall of Famer forever. Uh, as, as all of you are for listening to the show, but yeah, that's, what's fun about it because you know, it's, it's easy. And especially since, uh, and we, I don't know that we will ever just like share straight up the data, but honest, more people are listening to the show than we thought would. I think we, we can oh, yeah. all say I that. I think that's easy to agree. And, on. but yeah. also yep. like, if like, if one person was like, this is tight, I think we'd keep making the show. Oh yeah. And yeah. that's, that's, what's great. So not, not like I'm soliciting just praise whenever, but just, uh, we didn't make this to, you know, gain any kind of notoriety or whatever. Like we just gained it to connect with more Beaver fans and to ha have a, just a fun, uh, weird, ridiculous forum for Beaver sports content. And the fact that, uh, we, we met, you know, people when we, Hage and I were at the Purdue game and we met people who listened, uh, JP and I got, being at the Idaho game this last week and meeting people who listened. like, that is so rewarding. So thank yeah. you guys so much. Like we'll, we'll keep making the show if no one listens to it. Cause it's just us hanging out with our friends, but <laughs> it's really, it's, it's so much more about y'all. So uh, for everyone who has expressed, you know, gratitude and kind words and, you know, uh, constructive feedback and everything like that, that's, that's really priceless interactions for us. And we're, we really appreciate it. Yeah. And if you can't tell, if you come up to us and, and say what's up and we can give you a sticker, we will incorporate it into the show. 
100 you want to be on the show just come say hi and if jp's at the game his four-year-old probably has the stickers and his four-year-old is incredibly cute his name is everett and he's he gave out like 30 stickers he gave out like 30 stickers perfect segue into the game itself because the real winner was everett your four-year-old who got to hang out with chance gave chance a sticker got some gloves you we won he didn't get to go on the field but we won 42 to nothing and he has some gloves that he can grow into that were absolutely game worn or at least someone who was on the sideline wore them they were they were wet either with they were wet they were sweaty damp yeah a lot of precipitation had touched those gloves but yeah they are real ass gloves that you know, no four-year-old can afford. So he has, uh, <laughs> has nicer receiver gloves than most uh, most high school students. Uh, <laughs> but just speaking of the game, so Oregon State wins forty-two to zero in in a way that in a, in a fashion that I think we're all we were all happy to see. It was very decisive. Oregon State scored touchdowns on its first four possessions. It didn't score on its fifth one right before halftime, but that was more because it ran out of time. Uh, Idaho had put a couple of nice drives. So it wasn't like our defense was super dominant, but it got off the field. We need to get off the field and got the, got the offense back on the field and in, in position to, you know, make a lot of plays. We had a lot of short fields on offense, which sort of led to like, there's not a ton of impressive stat lines. The most impressive stat line for me was sort of our running back by committee. Yeah. And how uh, we ended up with three different guys. Uh, this is, you know, BJ Baylor, Trey Lowe, and Deshaun Fenwick, Fenwick, who's been sort of the guy I've been most excited about from the beginning, uh, who all had carries. Um, BJ ended up with 69, Trey ended up with 68, Fenwick with 59, and all averaged above six yards per carry, which is fantastic. Uh, that was the most impressive thing for me, but, you know, no one, uh, you know, Luke Musgrave, the tight end, was the only one with uh, Luke and Tegan, the tight yeah. ends, both had the tight end game each, the tight end game, and no one had more uh, than two catches otherwise. So just sort of yeah. let's talk about the offense first since the offense really poured on the points, but in a very sort of respectable, not flashy way. So, JP, what was sort of your main takeaway from the offensive performance against Idaho? I mean – I, it, it was hard to take really anything away other than just positives, like overall positives, because like you said, it, it was distributed across the team. There was so many people involved and they all had kind of very little impact, like touch wise, but every single time they would, they had the ball, it was like something impactful. Like the result was impactful. So obviously chance Nolan had a great game. Um, I mean, he is like as, as smooth as possible out there on the field and, I feel like his confidence is growing when he doesn't feel like he's the backup or he doesn't feel like he's just kind of in because of like an injury replacement or something on those lines. Like I could tell he settled in pretty nicely and um, delivered some really good balls. Also like, of course the running back by committee was great. I though just BJ loves TDs. And I think I literally think (laughs) he is a fiend for the TDs. And uh, the innuendo here is just like 
irresistible. <laughs> he also had 69 yards. So if you need to make a joke about his yeah. yardage total. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I watched this, I watched the second touchdown. Like I was sitting there in the, at our seats in the terrace. So like Everett wanted to go sit right. down and like be able to see the game. Cause the poor kid, you know, he's like three feet tall. So sitting at a bar height table, isn't really ideal for him to see a game. And so I sat down with him and, 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 you know, BJ ran right up to us on that, uh, the side of the, of the, uh, the field goal there. And um, I mean, you could tell he, he smells blood in the water when he's close to the end zone. He is, he does, he has a nose for the goal line really well. He does fantastic around there. So, I mean, despite the fact that like low looked great, it was awesome seeing Fenwick finally kind of break out. But uh, to me, like still BJ Baylor is the guy, like even we never really did our projections for statistics for the season, but I still had him like leading the team in rushing touchdowns and yards and I still see that happening. Well, it's easy to say now. Yeah, but like no, I had him originally at 700 yards, six touchdowns. I thought it would still be by fairly by committee. Um, and he's already like going to surpass six touchdowns next week at the Coliseum. Well, so. he's he's at he's got to be at five touchdowns right now, right? Yeah, that's what I mean, he'll yeah. surpass it next week. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. My my pick for that would have been Fenwick. And I don't think Fenwick's going to lead the team in rushing yards, but it was nice to see him sort of get out in the open field and make guys miss and, and run over guys a little bit too. Like he did, he looked dangerous as hell. And he, you know, that uh, he didn't ha- he had an 18 yard run, but other than that, you know, it was kind of, you know, pretty consistent punishing and uh, his touchdown was super impressive as well. So it's nice to know that we have a stable of backs and honestly, yeah we aren't even using Demir Collins. So yeah, we have, we have him hanging out, probably red shirting probably and everyone, but everyone else is, you know, playing well. And it's, it's don't burn Demir's red shirt. If it's not going to make that much of a difference because these Did you guys, guys see are if you suited up. I couldn't tell. No, no, it's hard to tell where we were. Nah. Uh, right. But then one one last part of the offense for me, the, the box score, the receiving box score I'm is really just a, this. it's a running list of all the receivers that we have talked about on this podcast. What, so literally Musgrave, Flemings, Tongue, Lindsey, Bradford, Beeson, Toriano, Bolden, Harrison, Harrison, Spencer, Spencer and wait, and wait, <laughs> did somebody say Dunmo? I just saw it. I literally just saw it on the box store. I was looking at it and I just saw it and I got so excited. I did not JP, JP, play five seconds of Killowell by Andre Nicotina in honor of did somebody say done I thought he fucking vanished from earth. I didn't know he catched anymore. He had two targets, one catch for four yards, number 14, number one, four, meaning one for four (laughs) and Uh, one in my heart. He was on there. He's one in your heart. Dunmore. He's your guy. We hate Treshawn Harrison is my guy who had two catches. Makaya Tong had a huge, huge gain. That was the only time he got the ball. I think it's just sort of proof that we're deep. It's deep and it's a complex offense and guys need to understand the offense. But yeah. Uh, So yeah, for sure. JP, if you haven't yet, Killawale, Andre Nicotina, did somebody say done Mo slash Phil Mo, you know, 
It's if already you know happened. me, then test, you listen, your, test your luck and try me out and watch me treat you like a cow in a slaughterhouse. That's what Dunmore go. said to the Idaho Vandals on his four-yard game, baby. We hate. <laughs> Congratulations, John Dunmore, in a game with a catch. How do you feel? Fucking amazing. I feel like I can go out and wear my shirt now. <laughs> i'll dust this whole thing off oh man you know what i realized this is gonna be um well what whatever dun dunmore john dunmore looks so much like the fucking player that i just created in nba 2k 22 it's a very striking resemblance. I'll take that, a screenshot. That's what our that. listeners are tuning in for. <laughs> like the exact same haircut. <laughs> Wait, why are you creating players in NBA 2K22? What do you mean? What do you play video games? I don't really. I played JP and Madden last night. At <laughs> last night at one of the but morning. I was, yeah. I was really upset for most of it because it wasn't <laughs> happening the way I wanted it to. But I Dude, ended up winning. Got I got so bad. I was Terry getting was mad. So I got lucky. <laughs> he was so angry the whole time. I don't play video. So it's weird. I haven't really played video games hardcore since like the Xbox 360 days. Uh, oh my God, you're old. Yeah. I'm old as I fuck, mean, you can though. create a player. You're both older haircut. than I am, but yeah, please call me older than you guys. Yeah, you can create a player and give him <laughs> sure. a haircut, well, and my player always happens been able to have create a haircut. <laughs> you yeah. created. That's why I was so confused as to your confusion of what you. No, mean I didn't realize player. you were still creating players. In yeah. Video <laughs> yeah, yeah, I created a player. I want to know John, more about this. Yeah, I created a player in NBA 2K22 that looks like John Dunmore, and Yuri walked in and she goes, "That doesn't look like you." And I said, <laughs> I know. But he looks like... Oh, I don't, are you saying that my hair isn't the same? I don't the hair, the hair, the hair is exactly the same. <laughs> no, I'm saying your hair and your creative player hair. Oh, my! no, my hair and my creative player hair look totally different. My creative player hair looks exactly like John Dunmore's hair. Well, okay, so... <laughs> which, is, which is way cooler than my hair. Exactly. Wait, what? What? What do you mean exactly? (laughs) What NBA team does this created player play for? Dude, he got fucking drafted by the Jazz. Oh, they always get drafted by the Jazz. I hate that. You don't get to decide that shit. No, no, no. But then also, he's like, you can, you can be, um, you can start your own like fashion career and your own hip hop career. And Yuri's like, you can't do either of those things in Salt Lake City. What is this game? <laughs> it's just very you true. Can't. You can. If you're in the NBA, you can. I mean. The team okay. the team you play for doesn't really mean that. Like, Okay. Find me a successful hip-hop basketball player in Salt Lake City. From Salt Lake City? No. no in. Well, or from. Terry, I'll, I'll, I'll open on, this up. on the current jet. Well, there aren't that many successful current rappers in the NBA. Damian Lillard's maybe the best one. And also, he, his, Facts. I, hey, Dame Dalla, I love you. Yeah. It's pretty hit or miss. Did you guys ever see um, Anthony the Edwards' college is remix around. that Steph Curry was on in his Davidson years? No. He had like a verse on his like local Davidson College White Kids remix to I Love College. Oh, JP, that, that play, f- play five seconds of the I Love College Steph Curry Davidson College remix. Their Sunday brunch is golden rule, and last night's girl thinks you're a tool. Awkward eye contact just isn't cool, and your boys call like- out. <laughs> 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 
Oh my God. I bet Asher Roth is worships at Davidson college in North Carolina. <laughs> For sure. Benny, what was you watched on TV? What was your biggest takeaways though? Like, I mean, we, we had one perspective, like you got all the camera angles. What were, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah. I thought the defense looked exceptionally well. Like obviously the offense was firing on all cylinders. It was, looking at the box score, it was sort of crazy that there were 11 players with receptions. Um, but the defense looked really, really good. I felt like Idaho never really was a threat to score. Um, and when I when I looked up the box score, th- this stat really stood out to me. So Idaho ran 60 plays on offense. Um, Oregon State had 10 tackles for losses and 12 QB rushes, meaning like over one third of Idaho's plays were either a tackle for a loss or their quarterback was running for their life, which is their line was bad. Their line yeah. was very bad. Right. Well, but I mean, our, but, our defense looks pretty good, but their line was very bad. Well, and this is what I'll say. Like Oregon state has, has always had trouble with mobile quarterbacks and Idaho's quarterback for like <laughs> as poor of a game as they had, like he, he was mobile uh, and Oregon state kept him in check. So um, I, I think for as good as the offense was and, and putting up 42 points is, is obviously, um, you know, nothing to scoff at. Uh, the fact that the defense held them scoreless and um, and the stats that they put up, I mean, that that's crazy. One third of their plays were just like absolute broken plays. If, if you're looking from an Idaho perspective. Yeah. Um, which was awesome. And, and, and look like when we're talking about like uh, our, our first couple podcasts, like Oregon state, their defense was so bad the last couple of years. Um, and so to see exactly. them step it up, yeah, like it was it was sort of <laughs> unbelievable to watch some of the open field tackling that Oregon State had in the last couple of years. So to see them put up these numbers was um was at least the most exciting. I don't know if it was the most um uh impressive, but it was certainly the most exciting to me. Right. On the inverse too, like the fact that Idaho even had like a couple drives that they were close to scoring. I mean, like one of them came off of that Sam Neuer pick. And honestly, that wasn't even really a Sam Neuer. Uh, failure by any means. So um, they just had good field position off of that deflection. They caught the balls that popped up in there. I think it even hit another receiver and then they caught it. But like, even we had, we had a, we had an interception that same way. There was a, a lot of balls batted back in the air, kind of up for grabs. Um, but I agree. Our defense looked pretty good. They definitely had a lot of pressure on their quarterback. And it was CJ Jordan. He's a Portland kid too. So yeah. we, were kind of, we were standing, yeah. we were standing next to his brother. Funk, Funk, oh, really? Yeah, Funky Paul Molina was uh, having a conversation with his his brother in the terrace. That's cool. Yeah, uh, that's cool. That's cool. So yeah, he he looked good. He's definitely athletic. Definitely gave them a different aesthetic, and was something that I don't think we were totally prepared for. Uh, but even that same drive, like the first drive of the game, Idaho got into somewhat field goal range, and then I think yeah. we uh, stopped them on downs. And then they just couldn't bring it back after that. But like, it wasn't like, like our defense, it was weird. It it sort of felt like sort of a game played in the midfield a little bit because our defense wasn't getting drug around a lot or doing like totally like Ben don't break uh, type stuff, but it's not like we held them with like under a hundred yards or anything like that. Like I think Idaho did move the ball a different <laughs> a bit on a couple uh possessions and then you know we got uh some nice turnovers but um yeah it it it, it was going to get out of hand pretty fast especially you know like we scored on our first four scored touchdowns on our first four possessions 
the only reason we didn't score on our fifth was because we ran out of time with the, the first half. So, you know, it was, uh, and then when blowouts sort of like that happen, it's, you know, it's just, uh, kind of, kind of get, kind of get into the final whistle. So, uh, it all told, it ended up being a 42, nothing victory for Oregon set at home. The first regular season shutout since shutting out Idaho, uh, in 2006, a score of 38-0, the first ever Beaver game for yours truly. Also, um, by the way, a little anecdote here. You know who the quarterback's coach was at Idaho that game? That game or this game? That game. In 2006, I do not know. He's our current head coach. Jonathan Smith, yeah. Jonathan Smith was the quarterback's coach at Idaho in 2006. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Because the head coach was Dennis Erickson, the coach yep. of the Fiesta Bowl winning Oregon state beavers in the year 2000, which jerseys are on sale currently in the beaver store on campus. We didn't buy any because we didn't go into the store. We should have, uh, I might need to order one. Listener Brett had one. It looked good. Listener Brett has one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you you know who the starting quarterback was for Idaho in 2006? Uh, We went through the box score in the last episode, but I don't know. Bring it up though. Michael Harrington, Joey Harrington's little brother and the guy who, well, I didn't. Is this actually Joey Harrington's little brother or is this a Deschutes founded by Oregon state alum situation? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, uh, no, he went to central Catholic. I didn't, I didn't back him up, but I played on the same football team as him. Oh man. Is that why? That's why you have you still rock the 16 pound vest. This is a vengeance for yeah, having just to pack gotta, up Joey Harrington. That's right. I just need to be better than fucking Joey Harrington's <laughs> little brother. Better than Joey Harrington's <laughs> little brother. I think you achieved that, We Hedge. I think you might have even been better. I think you're better than Joey Harrington based on that dude's yeah. pro career. Just relax. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get out of here soon. It's uh, been over an hour, but also we play. We play USC at the Coliseum, USC, newly uh, free of Clay Helton. Uh, There's a lot, a lot of content about Clay Helton on the internet. So we're not going to speculate on why he was fired or justify it. It kind of seems like it had been a long time coming and what a lot of people had been expecting if USC didn't have sort of the... uh, championship aspirational season that they're expecting, but they fired him before this past weekend and they ended up beating Wazoo 45 to 14 in Pullman uh, after a rough first half, but obviously a ton of talent and we never, ever, 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 ever play well in the Coliseum. So uh, let's start with our, Resident Dreamer, Benny the Beaver Weehage. What are you thinking <laughs> for this weekend? Honestly, this is a tough one because, like, uh, t- to me, Washington State uh, is a garbage team this year. Um, they're uh, on, on both sides of the ball. So the fact that they were leading at halftime made me feel really good about next week. And then all of a sudden, uh, USC threw up 38 straight unanswered points. So um, it's, I, I guess it's just a matter of like, what USC are you going to get? Uh, I, you would hope that they're still in somewhat uh, of turmoil with uh, having a, a new head coach. Um, but um, like Oregon State's looked really good. I think that you brought up a good point, Terry, that, uh, Purdue looked good against Notre Dame. So maybe that loss isn't as, you know, mediocre as we thought that it was. 
Um, I don't know how much you can take away from Hawaii and Idaho, but you did what you're supposed to do. Uh, so I, I think that this game is a toss up. I think Oregon state has a better chance of winning in the Coliseum this year than they have in a very long time. Um, I, I, unfortunately I do think that, uh, USC will come away with the win, but, uh, your prediction had us winning. (laughs) His season prediction is set in stone, but he can make his week by week predictions differently. Um, (laughs) the spread though, is not very kind to the Beavers right now. I think you said it's minus 13 or something like that. Yep. I'm not, I'm not a gambling man, but I think that's a little rude. And that might be the Midwesterner and me talking. I think that's mean. Fuck you, Vegas. But um, you're predicting the Beavers to lose. But would you bet on them to cover that uh, that 13 point spread that they're opening as underdogs? It's funny you ask that because uh, so Yuri's actually going to be in Vegas next week, and I'm giving her a hundred dollars for the Beavers to cover. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think it. the thir- thir- I agree. Thirteen points is just fucking rude. I, I bet that comes down a point or two before the game starts, but still, like thirteen. But it's it's historical. It's I think historical. it's historical. Yeah. It's all historical. Well, it's if you look at sixty it, years since we've won you, the Coliseum. And if you just look at the score of uh, USC and Washington State, like USC blew Washington State apart, but they really didn't do that until the end of the game. Right. So, and I think I think part of that actually was uh, more Wazoo running out of gas than it was coaching adjustments, and also maybe Washington State not having the right coaching adjustments that were net that were necessary to like Washington state having a shitty anti-vax coach. Maybe yeah, exactly. That's yeah. To do with it. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, like, something if, like if, that, but, but I do feel like if the beeves went into halftime ahead, even by like three points, Smith and crew, I trust them enough to figure out how to adjust to make sure that that stays the same way. Like, yeah, like if they're zigging, we're zigging, if they're zagging, we're zagging. And like, you're kind of staying a step ahead of them in the second half. I had originally, it's funny because I had us losing against USC 45-17. They beat Wazoo last week with us last week in 45-14. And it was maybe just the my mentalist uh, mentality that uh, I was seeing the wrong weekend in my mind when I was doing that prediction. So <laughs> I actually have us pulling this one out 24-20 in the call. Wow. Nice. I love that pick, yeah. JP, because I... I'm thinking a similar thing, but a little bit closer. I think it ends up being 27, 24 Oregon state wins with a last second field goal to walk off USC and win the Coliseum for the first time in decades. JP, please play five seconds of miracle by Cascada. Let's go. Shout out Everett Hayes for that walk-off kick. Shout out to Everett Hayes, who my I my son wants to meet you if you're listening. He because you he loves are your name. his namesake. Not yeah. totally, but not really. But you have a same name. Just say it is. <laughs> um, yeah, great, great week, great times last weekend, y'all. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, Benny? You have anything else you you want to add? Nope, nope, just chilling, just chilling. Just chilling. Your hair looks great, by the way. Thanks, dude. You're welcome. <laughs> Listeners, Babes, Beaver fam, we love you so much. Thank you again for the support. Thank you for tuning in to this 
15th episode of the belligerent bees thank you for being our loyal beaver fam again if you have not done so already a five-star review on apple Podcasts helps us out tremendously it can take you a minute say whatever you want just put five stars one two three four five stars these guys are idiots but they're fun these guys are drunk but they're fun they're all very 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 handsome even though they don't know shit about football i i bought a mug so you you must you know i must like the podcast a lot yeah shout out to uh ashley Batuso, who i believe that was her review and was on the last uh last episode ashton is uh the goat uh, and we appreciate her support being on the last episode and the review. So thank you so much to everyone who's reviewed so far. Please leave us one if you haven't and share the podcast with a friend. Like it's inc- the support we've gotten so far is incredible, but you know, we want to keep growing this thing and we're going to keep, we're going to keep uh, making episodes of belligerent beeves in uh, until the year that we die. And then uh, probably for another few years after that. So um <laughs> Shut us out on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. Hit up the merch store on belligerentbeeves.com. Yeah. Uh, send us an email at belligerentbeeves at gmail.com. Follow at belligerentbeeves on Twitter, at belligerentbeeves on Instagram. And yeah, we want to interact with you. We want to hear uh, your thoughts about the recent uh, game against Idaho, uh, what your favorite beers are, what uh, what brewery should we try to uh, uh, form a partnership with besides block 15 we've we've gotten several suggestions about block 15 and we're gonna you know try at some point we promise <laughs> but block 15 is the obvious one but if you have any other ideas besides block 15 we want to hear from you uh thank you so much for tuning in to another enthralling episode of the belligerent peace podcast And uh, we will be here again next week to break down Oregon State football's game against the University of Southern California Trojans in our own personal house of horrors, the L.A. Coliseum, and all sorts of other things happening within and around Oregon State Athletics. Thank you so much for tuning in. Cheers to you all. And remember, you cannot spell chop them without hope. Chop them! Chop them! Chop them!